in the year 305, the Council of Nicaea was convened by the bishops of the church at that time in order to explore the nature of God. And the result of those discussions and explorations was the Trinity, as they determined that the nature of God was best expressed in the Trinity. Three persons, one God, as it was stated, was the best way to name God. And this, as you know, has been the doctrine of the Church ever since. It has also been the source of much discussion and no little confusion in those years as well. And even before the Christian tradition, the people of God were fascinated by God. God was the central figure for the people of the Old Testament. And their concerns have stayed with us as our concerns in this time. How to name God. How to approach the mystery of God. How to understand human feelings about God. And how to imagine if God has and what kinds of feelings God has about us. And also to figure out, is, is God God's first name or is it God's last name? And does God have a gender reference? Unfortunately, we thought that it probably was he, and that adds to the confusion over the tradition. And so we, we narrow our understanding of God every time we use that gender pronoun. In more recent years, there have been some rather fascinating books written and published on this subject of God. In 1993, Karen Armstrong wrote, published the book, The History of God, which was 400 pages on the idea and the experience of God in the Jewish, Christian, and Muslim traditions. It was on the top 10 bestseller list for months, giving some indication of the intrigue that the subject of God has for a very broad audience. The year before, Elizabeth Johnson, an amazing theologian, published her book, She Who Is. It was a book on a course that I took quite a number of years ago, and some of us referred to it rather as, Who is she? Uh, but Elizabeth published it as She Who Is. An exploration of the mystery of God from a feminist theological perspective. Within the first year of its publication, it was translated into six different languages. The renowned German theologian Hans Kuhn published his work, Does God Exist?, which was a, a kind of response to what was known as the God is Dead 
thinking that was around after the beginning of this particular millennium. Two less academic but equally fascinating works are among my favorites. One is the Book of Poetry by John Shea called The God Who Fell from Heaven, a wonderful exploration of God's intervention, if you like, into the lives of the people of God. And then that wonderful collection of stories by Rabbi Mark Gelman, sort of exploring the kind of human nature of God, as it were, and it was titled, Does God Have a Big Toe? <laughs> and so our language, of course, no matter which one it is, always fails us when we contemplate and try to comprehend the Trinitarian notion of God. Some have said that the only way to talk about God is in a story or in a poem or with some image. Using language that, that stirs the imagination more than challenges our mental or our, our brain. That we never completely define, of course, or capture God. And so stories and poems and images are always incomplete. They always leave themselves open to a new interpretation, to being repeated, and usually being remembered, and even being brought into our prayer, which is conversation with God, so much easier than some academic concept or phrase. The 12th century scholastics, of course, wrote volumes about God from an academic perspective, and there have been lots written since then, of course. And relative to the number of people who believe in God, I suspect that very few have read any or all of those academic treatises. And those who have read them, perhaps very few understood them, and only two or three would admit that they actually enjoyed them. <laughs> and so it's, it's important for us, however, to, to know about God. Our creeds are concise statements of that, the Nicene Creed, of course, coming out of that same council of Nicaea. But our, our faith is really what we do because of what we think about God and what we know about God. Faith is, is really what we do be, because of God, whether it's thinking or knowing, but it's just because of God, way beyond the names that we ascribe to God. We are, in fact, more accustomed to celebrating the act of God, the events of our salvation history. And we think of liturgical events, for example, that, that celebrate the nativity of the Son of God, events that's, that come to the fore in our celebration of Holy Week. The celebration of Pentecost, celebration of 
Ascension, and many other liturgical celebrations in which we engage God as creator, as Messiah, as spirit of life and in life, events that sort of draw us into that mystery. And even though we know we don't define it, it doesn't mean we can't approach that mystery. And so that grace and that mystery that is God shapes and renews our life. In other words, to believe in God is to admit there's no escaping God. That's kind of, for me, what faith is, that there's no escaping God. And even though we ask questions like, where was God when I needed God? That's an act of faith, that somehow God seems to escape me or I've escaped God, but we're still me and God somewhere in the mixed. The only, the one thing we know about God from the scriptures is that God believes in us because God does things for us. And so if we then are in the image and likeness of God, then when we say we believe in God, it, it must mean that we do things on God's behalf. Or put it another way, we do things that only God would do. Or at least that's what we should be doing, things that only God would do. Imagine God saying to us, don't do anything that I wouldn't do. <laughs> Just imagine that. It's a bit scary. So if we are then in this image and likeness of God, then our history as a people of God reveals a God who wants to have a very deliberate and a very loving relationship with us. A God who is willing to live among us in Christ. A God who never tires of forgiving our infidelities. A God who guides, a God who protects, a God who welcomes, a God who cares, a God who is inclusive, a God who is anxious that we share in glory. Don't do anything that I wouldn't do. And those are some of the things that God does. When we love and never tire of forgiving, when we are inclusive and hospitable, when we are deeply concerned with each other, these are the signs of faith. It's not a doctrine of words, it is an energy of the heart and the spirit. So maybe the right question to ask on this feast of the Trinitarian God is not who is God, but how is God for us and how are we for God?